Están escuchando el viaje medianoche con el gran Guillermo. Este cinefilo lo va a llevar fantasmal por mías y mías. What's up, everyone? It's that time for the ride. This is truly the midnight ride. Uh, it is 11.58. It's a Saturday night. And I should say p.m., not a.m., because then it'd be the lunchtime ride. And I don't ride lunch. I eat lunch. Although sometimes I eat lunch while I ride. Anyway, it is truly the midnight ride this evening. This is kind of what I envision this to be, recording just kind of little quick and dirty reviews on my way home late at night from work. Tonight's episode is featuring a film that's been a long time coming for me to see. It's from 2008. It's been recommended by a number of Listeners, my friends, colleagues, but our favorite feline enthusiast, the uncool cat, was the one who finally said, let's stop the madness, let's take you to Finland, let's watch Sauna in 2008. Now, Sauna, I'll synopsize it because I'm professional. As a 25-year war between Russia and Sweden concludes, two brothers, who are part of an effort to outline new border records, become undone by their actions and their mistreatment of a young woman during their journey. That kind of sums it up, but there's a whole lot more going on with this film. Um, I do want to say first and foremost that this being a Finnish film, it piqued my interest because I happen to own a few Finnish films I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just destroy the Finnish pronunciation, but one is called Paha Ma, and the other one's called, I think, something like Nian Tio. One is about a man who becomes a, um, like an escort to pay for his family, uh, to, to um, support his family, but he's very much kind of a blue-collar guy, and it's very much a blue-collar movie. And it's certainly not glamorous in any way. Uh, it's a pretty good, heartfelt, uh, familial drama. And I want to say his wife gets sick. I, anyway, I can't remember, but 
that one and the one sort of a coming of youth tale. Now, both these films were, I, I wouldn't have got my hands on, but we have a, a friend who I haven't talked to in many years. He was here for his honeymoon. He was a, an early supporter of our show. He programmed our, our Ford Fairlane episode. I, I'm trying to remember what we doubled it with now, or he doubled it with now. But um, in any event, uh, that is, of course, Yako. And he, um, I was thinking about him when I was watching this film because Finland is a country that, despite being Nordic, they have a, a much more spare body of, of film than their Nordic counterparts. Uh, even, you know, Denmark obviously has been a hotbed for years. Sweden, naturally, since, you know, Bergman and maybe even before that, but Bergman brought it to international audiences. Norway over the past 15, 20 years has produced some interesting films, um, including, including Oslo, August 31st, which made both mine and Sammy's top tens a few years ago. I want to say Clown is Norwegian. Maybe it's Danish. Uh, I think it's actually Danish. Anyway, a lot of the Nordic countries, their output's been um, you know pretty consistent, but Finland's been a bit spare. And um, it's, it's too bad because the Finnish films I've seen... I've quite liked, and this is no exception. I want to say this played at uh, the Toronto After Dark Film Festival early on, and I think, I think, I think I could have gone to see it through a press pass, and I just, I didn't get a chance to. I just was tied up, and it's just been difficult for me to get into that, um, just because of other commitments and so forth. But one of these years. Um, anyway, I digress. Back to the film. Now, the film opens, and immediately I can tell that this is a film that, if nothing else, from a technical standpoint, I'm going to be fully behind. Now, the reason I say this is because it opens and it's almost like like a Tarkovsky film or Bergman. or It just it has this, this immaculately shot opening. Not even so much, I guess. It, it, it doesn't whiz. It doesn't... Um, it's not flashy. It's not a flashy opening, but what it does is it has this, uh, this opening with this mysterious kind of furry package, you think it's an animal, or you're not really sure what it is, and it's floating down this this river, and um, it's in the middle of winter, and it, you, it, it very much evokes that time of year, it feels cold, it's shot really close to the water, and you can see the snow, and, and then it immediately cuts to a man being furiously stabbed, furiously stabbed, and the sound design is immaculate. Um, sounds appropriately squishy and awful, and um, even the mechanics of the guy being stabbed, a lot of times we're so accustomed to seeing the big money shot kills in films, but not to say this wasn't, I mean it, but it's, it's that, that repeated stabbing motion, really, really, really good stuff, really strong stuff, um, so right away, I mean, I'm five minutes in, and I'm thinking, okay, great, um, clearly I'm in the hands of a filmmaker who knows what he's doing. He's gonna, I'm going to be fine from a technical standpoint. Now let's see how everything else unfolds. Um, early on, you know, you very much get this feel. This is... I, I have to think of a film like Ravenous. Antonio Baird just... Uh, Antonio Bird, I believe. This died um, today or yesterday. So rest in peace to her. But I'm reminded a little bit of Ravenous. Now, not that this deals with cannibalism or anything of that nature, but just dealing with men in a rugged terrain, in the snow, uh, a bit of madness, uh, in, you know, the men losing their minds and some the brutality and unforgiving nature of man and of nature itself and how those two things can make for a rather messy affair. 
Um, so that's certainly something that really jumped out of me. And, and even the, 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 the whole uh, sentiment of being very much a product of your environment. You see, these are, for the most part, kind of uh, unforgiving men in, in, in uh, an unforgiving time. You know, they, they've suffered a 25-year war with Russia. They're trying to establish the borders of their country. They're having to go to the most remote, desolate parts of the region to define borders. Um, you very much get the sense that these guys are a little bit twitchy at this point. Not overtly so, where you kind of, everyone's kind of blinking really fast. and But you can tell it's certainly starting to wear on them. Now, the film features a lot of religious, uh, religious symbolism. I wouldn't say it's done in a way that's heavy-handed or, or necessarily um, in a way that it seems to be like a principal kind of visual motif. Not at all, but there's enough of it in there. Like a lot of the film that feels a bit mysterious to me, and I think it rewards repeat viewings. You'll hear me say that again um, uh, later on in the review just because I felt like there was a lot of things in this film that I enjoyed, a little bit of the ambiguity and the way it's edited, and frankly it's edited superbly because what you have is you have events unfolding and the way they're edited together is with events that have already occurred and it's a little bit, I don't want to say disoriented because it almost seems like it's a discredit to the, the editing of the film, it's not it works perfectly, but um, you you need to sort of piece together what where you're seeing sort of the beginning or the back end of something unfolding um, a lot of great faces in this film it's another reason I kind of thought of Bergman just some of the uh, some of the faces he used in his films from the Virgin Springs uh, Hour of the Wolf uh, is Hour of the Wolf or Time of the Wolf I want to say it's Hour of the Wolf uh, he he always framed guys like Vancito and a lot of his other principal actors and Thulin and the actresses he used really well and I think that um I can't remember the filmmaker's name here, forgive me, but I know his first name's Antti, like our friend um, uh, who's on our, on our group and is quite a voracious consumer of Blu-rays and soundtracks. Um, but um, in any event, um, he really has an eye for faces. And he doesn't linger on them, but just enough that it adds something visually to the film. And the film itself, to get back to it, it is really well shot, and it, it feels very cold, and, and in fact... Uh, the film, to a degree, is... I wouldn't say it's colorful, but... And this is a bit of a contradiction, but the colors feel very rich, but also feel very... Um, very... Wa uh, maybe not washed out, but... There is an emphasis on certain colors in the film without it being uh, saturated heavily. Um, because it very much takes place sort of the dead of winter. There's no leaves on the trees. There's snow on the ground. It's a very unforgiving time of year where there's not a lot going on with life. There's no lush greenery. Um, but the film still looks quite nice in spite of that. Um, which is good. And I, let's face it, the winter setting always works well. Well, I shouldn't say always works well, but it is an effective setting for films. Despite being rather difficult to shoot in, I can imagine. Um... Another thing the film touches on that I quite like is sort of the madness of isolation. We've talked about this on our show. We've all talked about it, I'm sure, in speaking about films. But when you don't have society to keep you in check and sort of a normal routine where there's breaks from, from things, you can kind of fall down a rabbit hole of isolation and repeating the same things. It really becomes sort of this uh, the ramblings of kind of a madman or just a... 
you have to stave off lunacy because when you are starting to go insane and all you have to talk to is yourself or people who are in a similar state, it makes for pretty, um, pretty slippery, a pretty slippery slope to be sure. Now the film sets up a lot of the horrors of the film very well. This, this again is something I sort of call like a left field horror film. It, it does something really well. It, it avoids a lot of traps and tropes and cliches and a lot of things that the genre unfortunately gets kind of bogged down in um, which can get tired and stale I mean the, the genre itself uh, as I always like to say horror okay comes from horrific and if something can be horrific be it emotionally physically spiritually mentally if there can be horror in it um, you don't need to have it set in a high school or at a summer camp or with um, radioactive content that's spilled and mutated, the horror that can come from something can be much more based in reality. And in fact, a lot of times that makes it more horrific. And further, this film feels more horrific because it, other than kind of the darkness of man and the brutality of what's happening, it's it's, it's almost like a kind of like a, I guess like a Tarkovsky film or, or even like... Um, like a lot of the Czech films of the 60s and stuff like that that were period set or Swedish films it feels like that when you look at stuff like the Bergman made to get back dim again I'm going to keep banging that drum uh, like Hour of the Wolf or Virgin Spring films that are pretty much um, that deal with the horrific elements of man and and, and uh, the things that they get into versus dealing with a fucking werewolf in a forest and that stuff is effective like there's a moment in this film there's a, several moments in this film which are rather chilling. There's a moment when uh, they come across a dog and one of the men utters the line, why would any dog claw its own eyes out? And it just sends chills up your spine. They're smart about the way they they dole out some of the um, the omens and the kind of grim foreboding stuff that's, that's going to unfold without it being too fantastical. Um... The film focuses on two brothers, uh, Newt and I can't remember the other brother's name right now, but one, they're very much a black hat, white hat. Newt is very much, uh, that's K-N-U-T. Um, he's very much the white hat, the sympathetic character in a lot of ways. His brother seems almost like the, a little more fleshed out, but he's like the Behringer character in Platoon. Maybe he's a bit of a sociopath he's been doing this for too long and it's something he's good at so he keeps doing it he even says that as much in the film but uh, there's a lot of interplay between them now the brothers very much love each other um, but they're very different certainly Um, and and even just I want to talk about the performance the performances themselves are uniformly great you know a lot of times when you get um lower budget films or horror films you know you can run into a situation where the acting can be a bit ropey but in this the acting is great across the board again it just feels like a proper not to say horror is not proper film horror is proper film I love horror films but let's face it a lot of times you're going for the the fantastical stuff and the gore versus the acting the acting is fantastic it's well written it's well edited all that stuff's working here Um, great line that's sort of commentary on you know, um, being a, a sort of a middle-class person working for the government, 
or being, uh, you know, I guess in the army, because, you know, this is very much a war that they're at the end of. And uh, the older brother says to the younger brother, he says the first, or I think he says to him, he says to someone else, a villager or someone they come across, but he says the first thing that you learn when you work for the king is to forget. Because let's face it, there's a lot of blood and atrocities that uh, pave the road for victory. And it's kind of touched on in this without it being uh, like an anti-war or kind of this anti, anti-government anti film. It's not really that at all, at all, frankly. Um, the film employs a really great use of shadows without it kind of banging you over the head, which I also liked. And the film itself just feels very atmospheric. A lot of times we associate atmosphere with kind of slower moving films because it kind of just it lets you kind of plunge into something and just kind of wait around in it a bit but this film is, it feels relatively pacey and at, at I think 85 minutes or less there isn't a lot of fat on the, on the on there anyway so it feels like a pretty pacey film and yet in, in spite of it being pacey it's still very atmospheric now I do have to point out I think it's one of the brothers maybe it's not I don't know but one of the characters name is Rockula which is pretty amazing good old Rockula um, there's sadly no vampire rap in this, though. Um, another film that this kind of reminds me of in some ways, and it's just because the, the brutality of, that man inflicts on himself in a state of um, frenzy or, or lunacy is Event Horizon. There's some pretty great found footage stuff in that when they board the ship that's pretty awful, like a guy holding his eyes in his hands, kind of mumbling in, in uh, Latin. And there's a scene when they come across a village, one of the women in the village, and they look, they go into the hut, and the man's there, and, and she explains that he's clawed his own eyes out and chewed off his own tongue bit by bit. And you can see they've got a rope in his mouth, kind of keep him from biting down anymore. And his eyes are just like this kind of gross, black, kind of dried out um, gauze or, or cloth over his eyes. It's, uh, it's pretty effective stuff. You know, the effects are minimal. The film relies more on atmosphere and kind of the technical merits of filmmaking versus um, special effects, but it works really well with the effects it does use. Um, now, the titular sauna reminded me a lot of, um, in terms of just kind of being this, um, this kind of higher inanimate object that seems to be pure evil in some ways, like the, um, the monolith in 2001. It's just this inanimate kind of rectangular object that evokes a certain amount of dread by looking at it and knowing what it's capable of and what it inspires. Um, so yeah, I like that. And I think this is a film, as I may have said earlier, I probably did, but I have the memory of a goldfish. Um, if this is a film I definitely want to rewatch, and I want to buy the Blu-ray because I got to think the Blu-ray would look amazing for this film. Um, it's a really, really fantastic film. I'm just going to jump into everything here now as far as make or breaks, MBTs, and all that stuff because I'm trying to squeeze in two more reviews on my midnight ride. Make or break scene. One of the first scenes that opens up in a cabin with the stabbing. And I guess you could say there was a captain stabbing of a different kind. Um just brutal right away from the get-go and just immediately I was like man okay this film's gonna be great I have no fears this film's I mean from moment from the first two minutes of the film it's, it just fucking grips you really outstanding stuff 
MVT, I'm going to go with the director. He's got an assured hand. I, I Admittedly, I can't recall anything else he's done. Like I said, with the Finnish, um, the Finnish film industry being a little more spare than uh, their Nordic brethren, um, I can't say I'm familiar with anything else the director's done. But let me just take a quick peek here to see if... Uh, this thing is reset. Uh, they do anything else here? And sauna should be said means filth, and there's a great explanation for what that means when something touches another thing. And it's kind of a great explanation for what it is. Uh, Anti Juicy Anila is his name, and uh, I definitely think he's one to keep an eye on. Wow, he's only two years older than me, he's 35. Did a film called Jade Warrior, which I'm gonna have to check out now, I guess. Um, just because, I mean, this, if there's any indication as to what he's capable of, I'm, uh, I'm a believer, as Mickey and the gang said. So, uh, I guess it's really time to get to my score for the film. Um, I would say that this film would probably be, I'm going to give it an 8.25. Like I said, I think it's a really outstanding film. Um, it definitely rewards multiple viewings. I don't. There's not a weak link in this film. I uh, maybe an 8.5. I don't know. Uh, I'll say an 8.25 for now, but I can definitely see it improving with multiple viewings. I really recommend everyone check this one out if you haven't seen it. It's fucking excellent, and I don't think it's on Netflix, but um, it's worth picking up. I mean, I'm gonna buy it when I get a few chingaleros in my pocket. And with that, I don't know how to say it in Finnish, so I'll say it in Spanish. Adios. All right, all right, you've been listening to the Midnight Ride with Lodge William, baby. Stay tuned for another episode where we bring the pumpkin to the pumpkins and the hangman's rope to the city folk. How? Mr. Hyde. Dr. Jekyll avait en lui un Monsieur Hyde qui était son mauvais génie. Mr. Hyde ne disait rien. Secret, n'en pensez pas moins. Je vous dis que je ne suis pas le docteur Jekyll. Que mon nom est Hyde, Mr. Hyde. Docteur Jekyll n'a eu dans sa vie que des petites garces qui se foutaient de lui. Mr. Hyde, dans son cœur, prenait des notes pour le docteur. Fait la peau 